Welcome to the Sunday Message Podcast of Bethany Church in Fresno, California. We hope this message will encourage and equip you as you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. If today's message helps you, share it with a friend. If you would like to know more about the ministry of Bethany Church, please reach out on Facebook or at BethanyChurchFresno.com. And now, here's this week's message. There is a framework for this teaching series that we've been looking at, and it is three words. It's not my three words. It's actually a Chinese pastor by the name of Watchman Nee. In his book, he says there are three words that define the book of Ephesians. Word number one is the word um, sit. Word number two is the word walk. Word number three is the word stand. And on your notes, hopefully you have those notes, you will see that I've unpacked what that meant, especially for those of you that may be checking us out this weekend. You haven't been here for the first three chapters in Ephesians. It's the idea that our identity is in Christ Jesus and that we're seated under him. And so uh, so the fill in the blank there, or the, the, it's going to pop up on the screen right now, is that we're seated in Christ and it is he is our identity. And so the first three chapters of that. Now this weekend, the second bullet point is going to pop up. It's going to be chapters four and five. And this is where we're going to begin to slow walk this. A couple of weeks ago, I was wrestling with what our next teaching series was going to be. And I'm not sure why it was, but I felt anxious. I felt a need to like, we, we got to do something new. We got we to gotta move quick. And I was just the irony of my prayer was answered when, when I'm like, so Brent, what you're saying is, is we want to, we want to run through the walking part of scripture. You guys track what I'm saying there? And so I just, I pumped the brakes. I felt a strong conviction, just kind of hearing the voice of God and his prodding that we needed to walk through verse by verse, these two chapters. And so that's what we're going to do for the next couple of months. And our teaching series is going to wrap up at the end of November, but we're going to slow walk chapters four and five. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then we're going to stand the third one uh, against the enemy. And that is going to be the sixth chapter of Ephesians. So we're looking forward to the fact that we know that we've already read the end of the book. We know that Jesus wins. Amen. And we know that we don't need to be afraid, but we also realize that there's a spiritual battle that we are a part of. And so in our identity in Christ, we can, we can know who we are. We can walk in unity and we can stand in victory. So our scripture this morning is going to come from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 to 13, but I'm going to tag on verses 14 and 16 at the very end of it. Normally, I teach through the NIV translation, but this weekend, just as I was reading it in a couple of different translations, it seemed to me that the NLT was the way to go. I almost feel terrible. I almost feel bad asking you to do this, but because it is a bit of a longer scripture reading and out of honor for God's word, um, if you're able and if you're comfortable, I'd love to have you stand in honor of the reading of God's words. If you would stand to your feet and let me go ahead and read for you. Verse seven, here we go. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why scripture says when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his holy people. Next verse. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip. Everyone say equip. Equip God's people to do his work and build up his church, 
which is the body of Christ. Verse 13. Next slide. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith. Everyone say unity. Unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they even sound true. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of His body, the church. And He makes the whole body fit together. What, everyone? Perfectly. Mm, That's cool. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Let's pray. So Lord God, thank you for today. It's a day that you've made. We rejoice. We are glad in it. We're thankful for your word. Your word is alive. It is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man and the woman of God can become thoroughly equipped for every good work. We're thankful for who we are in you, Jesus Christ. Our identity is in you. We're seated under you. Would you now equip us to walk in unity? It's in your name that we pray. Amen? Amen. If you would, go ahead and have a seat. I'm calling this message simply walking in the Spirit. And the Apostle Paul is uh, writing uh, this letter from the prison cell in Rome to Ephesus. And he's writing on the topic of spiritual gifts. Now, spiritual gifts, there are three different Greek words that Paul would use in the New Testament to describe this idea. The idea of a gift, it's the Greek word doma. Everyone say doma. That means gift. The other is spirit. And the Greek word for that is pneuma. Everyone say pneuma. But the idea that he's talking about today is the Greek word charismata. Now, charismata is the root word where we come up with the word charismatic. Have you guys heard that before? Let me see your hands. Charismatic. See, some of you are like, see, I'm charismatic. I raised my hand right there, right? But the idea of charismatic are two different words. Charis and mata. Mata means to work and charis means grace. And so what Paul is talking about is he's talking about this idea of walking in the Spirit or walking in grace. Show of hands. Two questions. How many of you are thankful for grace in your life? Let me see your hands. Okay, some of you aren't. I'm going to pray for you. (laughs) Question number two. How many of you want to be a part of a grace-filled church? Let me see your hands. Okay, that's almost all of us. So here's the good news. You're charismatic. You're charismatic. Meaning, if you want to be a part of a church that is alive, that is alive in the Spirit and is full of grace, you're a part of a charismatic church. Guess what? We're now going to rename ourselves Bethany Charismatic Church. Doesn't that sound great, everybody? You're like, ha, 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 are you serious? Now, let me explain. Probably not. And the reason why not is because the word charismatic means something different in our culture today. It means something that you might watch on the internet or YouTube and you'd be like, wow, look at that. That's kind of crazy. That makes me uncomfortable. But the truth is, is those are some snapshots of a charismatic movement, but it doesn't necessarily represent what the Apostle Paul is talking about here. Let me explain. When he talks about being charismatic, he's talking about a church that was alive 
and full of truth and grace. How many of you guys want to be a part of a church that's alive, full of truth and grace? Let me see your hands. So, in essence, we are a part of that. We're part of grace in action. We are walking and living in unity in the Spirit. Um, I, don't have a, I don't have a scripture for this, but let me tell you what Paul writes to the church in Corinth when he says in chapter 12, verse 11, that these are the work of the one same Spirit, and he gives to each one of us as he determines. Now, I'm going to share that with you, and here's why. Because our scripture says this today in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. It's going to come up on the screen. Here it is. It's also on your notes. However, he has given each one of us, what everyone, a special gift through the generosity of Christ. What that means is, is that we are gifted. And this is different than like a natural ability. See, um, we are created in the image of God. Uh, and we're given certain natural abilities. Some people have the natural ability to throw the ball, uh, uh, make a basket, run fast. That's a natural ability. Some people have the natural ability to be able to draw or write. We're not talking about a natural ability. We're talking about a supernatural ability. On your notes, if you would write this down. This is what we're talking about. Spiritual gifts are the supernatural ability to minister to others. And that is what Paul is talking about here. And I just wanted to say, for those of you that have given your life to Jesus Christ, congratulations, you're gifted. God has supernaturally empowered you, we know in Scripture, with at least one spiritual gift. And you're not alone. Um, But this is something specifically for you. Uh, it means that you have been empowered by the living of God, uh, living God to live on mission for God and not only to live on mission for God, but, but to be able to be a part of the body of Christ, which means the church. Now, these gifts are for you individually, but there are also other gifts that he has given to us as a church corporately. In verse 11, on your notes, he uses these words to describe these gifts. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, he says, And these gifts Christ gave to who, everyone? The church. And so, if, if you guys are here today, if you're watching online, this is the church. And these are some unique gifts, but sometimes we don't know what they mean. He says the gift of apostleship, a prophet, evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Let me unpack those real quick. I put them on your notes. Maybe you want to jot a note or two next to those. But a lot of times we hear the word apostle. We think, well, that's that's kind of done, right? Yes and no. I like to think of it as a capital A apostle and a lowercase a apostle. There were 12 capital A apostles that were in the New Testament. And there are no more than those 12. However, there are lowercase a apostles. The actual Greek word is apostello, and it is where we get the word missionary. A missionary is one to whom sends forth truth and multiplies the gospel. Uh, Whether you know it or not, Bethany is a part of a apostello church. We believe in missionary work around the world. Do you guys agree with that? We believe that, that, that it's just not about Fresno, but it's a part of reaching the entire world. Our former senior pastor and his wife accepted the apostello call to be missionaries in another country. This Thursday, Bethany, we're going to be hosting a, a gathering a, um, from an organization called Multiply. 
It's the mission-sending organization of our, of our denomination. And we're going to be having pastors from all over the Central Valley here getting connected with our mission-sending agency. And I just want to tell you that this is something that gets me pretty excited. Because it's been a while since Bethany, since we sent out a missions team to the world. But friends, I'm going to tell you that's going to change. We're going to go to the world. Amen. We're not just going to send checks across the world, but we're going to go there as well. And so why do we do that? The reason why we do that is because Jesus said, I want you to go into what? All the world. And I want you to make disciples. And so uh, it's also exciting. I wanted you to know, and I've not yet publicly mentioned this, but Brian and Becky are going to be here in November uh, and going to be sharing a message in, in, in November. So we'll be putting that on the upcoming things to look forward to. We're excited about that. The next word is prophets. Now, when we think prophets, a lot of times we immediately go to the Old Testament and we think to ourselves like a messianic prophet, like Isaiah, that would talk about the coming of Jesus. And a lot of other times we think about prophets or people that are like fortune tellers. I was driving through Fresno yesterday in a part of town that I don't normally go to. And on one street alone, there was like a tarot card reader and a fortune teller and a palm reader. And I thought to myself, is that still a thing? Right? But it is. See, a lot of times we think that that it takes astrology to be able to foretell the future. But prophecy is really simply this. It literally means one who is able to speak the truth of God with conviction. And so when we prophetically speak, what we're doing is we're not adding to, but rather we're speaking what has already been spoke, but in a way that is authoritative. Now that's going to make sense when we talk about the next one. It's this idea of being an evangelist. See, sometimes we get caught up in an evangelist and we think to ourselves, I'm not an evangelist. Sometimes we think, who is the greatest evangelist of our time? Who's it been, everyone? Probably Billy Graham, right? Came here to town. Um, I went there. How many of you guys went to Billy Graham? Was here? It was amazing. And, and, and a lot of times we think big skill evangelists. I tell you, um, I never really knew Billy Graham. I met him one time in passing, but a, an evangelist that I got to know really well was an evangelist by the name of Luis Palau. Luis Palau uh, was from my hometown of Portland, Oregon. I pastored up there for eight years. And for whatever reason, Luis took an interest in me. And, and he actually offered to come and speak at my church every year for me so I could have a weekend off. And I'll tell you what, he was a great guy, super duper funny. If you don't know who Luis Palau is, he's with Jesus right now. But they called him the Latin Billy Graham. And he would come to the church. And I'll tell you what. I'm not sure, but he would, I'd be preaching the same message to people who I assumed that they were already saved, but he'd get up and all of a sudden they'd get saved again or something. I don't know. The guy had, that's uh, kind of a joke. Um, maybe not. Uh, but he had the gift of evangelism and it would just, it, out of every, when we'd go out to lunch afterwards and he'd be like talking to the server about Jesus, the dude had that ability. But a lot of times we think to be an evangelist, you have to be Louis Palau, but we don't. What we need to know is, is that though there's a spiritual gift of evangelism, every one of us has an evangelistic responsibility. Every one of us has a story of God, um, a story of God's redemption in our life, a story of when we were blind and then we saw, or when we were paralyzed, then we began to walk in freedom. Um, this last week, I had the opportunity to meet the new uh, uh, executive director of a ministry called Behind the Walls, Bill Glass Ministry. Have you heard of that before? It's a ministry that does prison ministry. And what they're looking to do is they're looking to kind of recharge 
the, the, uh, the, the Bill Glass Behind the Walls ministry here in the Central Valley. Basically, they bring in a speaker, an evangelist, and then they train us as men and women with the gift of evangelism to be able to share the gospel with people that are incarcerated in prisons and in jails, not only in Fresno, but in the Central Valley. And so if that's something that you're interested in and you'd want to get trained and equipped in that, just on your connection card, just write, write um, behind the walls, encircle it, or write equip, and I'll reach out to you this next week. And then the last one that's probably pretty familiar with a lot of us is pastors and teachers. And I just want you to know that, that for me, they're kind of one and the same. Uh, four months ago, I'm on month four now being pastor here at Bethany Church, I was commissioned to do three things. One of them was I was commissioned to be your pastor, I was commissioned to be your leader, and I was commissioned to be your primary teacher. And I took those three things very, very seriously. And here's the truth. That, that is a spiritual gifting that God gives to some. And, and, and not, not to everybody. Because remember, we're talking specifically, these are gifts for the local church. That doesn't mean that everybody can't have a gift of teaching or even begin to kind of discern that. But when you begin to live into that, people are like, oh, I see that gifting in you. See, one of the things about being a pastor and a teacher is as a pastor, and we're going to be talking a lot about this in the next week, so I'm going to push, push down the road on pastor, but specifically on teacher. A teacher is a person who can make things that would otherwise seem complicated understandable, regardless of a person's spiritual understanding or even their physical age. And so this is a supernatural ability that... Paul is saying that there are going to be some of these gifts in your church and you are blessed because of them. Now I need to tell you something. The next passage here though is is, it's very definitive for me of how I view ministry and how I think we should really consider it here at Bethany Church. And it is in one of my favorite passages in all the New Testament and it's verse 12 of Ephesians chapter 4. I want us all to read it out loud. Ready? Group participation points. Here we go. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Now, I need you to know something, that there's a lot of things that people think that a pastor should do. There is only one definitive place that I can see in Scripture where it says, this is your job. This is your responsibility. And it is to equip God's people to do His work and to build up the church. You see, I believe in this thing called the priesthood of all believers. Meaning that we all as believers have been given a spiritual gift. And every member of the body of Christ has a, a ministry opportunity. But sometimes we don't feel equipped to do it. Let me explain equip. Um, have you, have you, how many of you guys are familiar with like, like a sports team. Sports team? Yeah. And on, on professional sports teams, they have this position called an equipment manager. An equipment manager is responsible for making sure that they have the necessary equipment to play the game. So <laughs> regardless of whatever, whatever uh, sport you're playing, it is the equipment manager's responsibility to, to be ready to, to suit up for the game. 
And in the same way, spiritually speaking, it is the responsibility of a pastor and pastors and staff to make sure that you all have the equipment necessary to do the work of ministry. That's a big reason why I feel like it's my responsibility. And for those of you who weren't at our business meeting, there were three things that I really cast a vision for. And one of those is that I felt it was imperative that we equipped the next generation for the work of ministry. And so that means is that we want to be raising up spiritual leaders to ensure that the future church is strong. Amen. And that's also why um, I'm a firm believer in you continuing to hear from other voices, not just my own. And I know some people have got some strong opinions about that. And I'd be happy to sit down with coffee and convince you that you're wrong. And here's why. Here's why. It's because I don't want this to become about me. I want it to become about he. And you just need to know I don't have a corner on the truth. That we can learn from a myriad of voices. Which is why I'm so thankful for Pastor Bruce and his willingness to partner with me and to continue to partner in teaching on the weekends. And, and friends, there's going to be others in the future as well. And not because I'm out on a Sunday that I'm not preaching here golfing, though that sounds really nice today, right? But rather because we want to be built up. We want to be a strong body. And I'm just going to go negative for a second. And doggone it, I'm just tired of the celebrity pastor movement in America. I'm just tired of it. Because these men put their pants on one leg at a time as well. And I just need you to know, friends, that I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And that God, for whatever reason, called me to do this. And I'm humbly saying yes to it. But friends, I need you to know something. He called somebody before me and he's going to call somebody after me. This is not about me. This is all about him. Does that seem healthy, church? I believe that is who we've been called to be. A church that equips the saints for the work of ministry. Let me read for you Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13. Let me share with you why I think this is incredibly healthy and a purpose of God. Because verse 13 says that this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and the complete standard of Christ. So if there was like a big idea that I wanted to share with you, If there was a concept that I wanted to leave you with on your notes, if you would, please fill this in. Here's the result. If we will begin to live this out, here's the result. That unity in our faith as we become more and more like Jesus. So how do we become more like Jesus? How can we make sure that we are, that we are under His authority and walking in unity? Let me tell you, a couple of months ago, we went through the Sermon on the Mount, the first teachings called the Beatitudes. You remember that, everyone? And every week we looked at a different kingdom teaching of Jesus. And every week we also looked at a different spiritual discipline that is not guaranteed, but that is going to help us to become mature followers of Him. And so these are the things that are going to make us more and more like Jesus. And you might not even realize it, but some of you are doing it right now. You're sitting in a seat and you're gathering together with other believers and you're doing that in community. And I want to say, way to go. 
Others of you didn't realize it, but you're going to give back to God financially today. See how I did that by faith, right? And when you put God first in the area of your finances, whether online or in person or in the envelopes, in the boxes, whatever, you are growing in faith. Why? Because you're reminded that this is all God's stuff, not just yours. Other things that you've been encouraged to do and continue to grow in your faith is going to be through reading God's word and through journaling and through prayer. So we have prayer journals on the way out this last week at our men's breakfast. I talked about the importance of, of reading scripture every day and, and, and journaling and sharing it with other people. And those are the things that we do to make sure that we're, that we're, we're, we're rooted in Christ and we're growing in his likeness. But then here are three other ones that I want to share with you quickly. Here's a big one that we're going to realize that it is our gift to share our God story with other people. Friends, we have a world that is just being filled with so many negative, negative messages out there. I don't know about you, but I, I, sometimes I just don't even want to watch the evening news. Anyone agree with me on that? It's just negative. It's just, it just makes me so depressed. And when I hear one of those like intentional feel good pieces, it just warms my heart. And it just, it just reminds me that I think as human beings, we want hope. We want to hear the things that are broken can be restored in Christ Jesus. And so when people begin to hear what Christ has done in your life or is doing in your life, I'm going to tell you something that makes you a very attractive person because people just want to be around real people. Amen. They want to hear what God is doing yesterday. I had an opportunity to go uh, and, and hear my friend Brian over here. Brian, wave your hand. Uh, wave your hand, Brian. All right. <clears throat> Brian shared his testimony up here a couple months ago, but Brian was one of the key uh, keynote speakers at a summit here in town, a recovery summit. It was packed. I mean, there's a lot of people there. Um, and, and he got up and Brian began to share his God story. Um, of how God allowed his hurts and habits and his hangups um, to lead him to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and he, he spoke boldly the name of Jesus in a room full of hundreds of people. And when he, when he did that, everyone, the room erupted and applauded. And I'm just saying is there that no matter how dark the situation and the circumstance, I believe people are longing to hear hope the gospel, grace, and they want to walk with people that are walking in the spirit full of grace, full of truth, and in maturity with Christ Jesus. Do you believe that, church? Do you believe that, church? I do. I believe we need more of that. And so those are the things that help us grow more and more in likeness of Christ. And here's the last one. And it's going to pick up on kind of the theme of the morning. It's going to be serving. Uh, you've got a, we've got an opportunity with Journey to Bethlehem for you to serve for you to begin to look at ways for you to get connected. I'm going to read the final passage. And I just want to remind you that this is what a healthy church walking in unity in the spirit looks like. Instead, we're going to speak the truth and love. We're going to become more and more like Christ Jesus when we're doing these things, right? Who is the head of the body, the church, and he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. So friend, before I keep on reading, I need to ask you, do you know which part in the church is your special part that you're supposed to play? Do you find yourself tired? Do you, you find yourself wanting other people to step up? Do you find yourself dis discouraged, disillusioned? Do, do you not know where you fit? Do you need to get equipped? Then, then this message is for you because this is your church family. And, and, and there is something that you could and should be doing 
for you to be able to fit perfectly into what God's wanting to do. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. I need you to know, for you not to step up means that you might be blocking a necessary blessing in someone else's life. That there's somebody in your life that you need to equip, that you need to train, that you need to envision what their future could be. Like Paul had a Timothy, there's someone in your life as well. And that might be your spiritual act of worship. So that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Everyone say healthy and growing and full of love. Healthy and growing and full of love. Now guys, growing doesn't mean numerically, though healthy things do grow. So the question is, is, are you still growing, church? You personally, are you still growing in your love for God and your love for others? And are you being obedient to what the Lord has laid on your heart that you should be doing for Him and for His glory? I want to close uh, in a story that I heard uh, this last week about a church uh, in London. Uh, it was actually during World War II and there was a statue of Jesus in front of one of the beautiful cathedrals in London. And during the Nazi uh, bombings, this, this, this statue of Jesus got destroyed. And after the war, uh, a group of people made it their mission to rebuild uh, this statue of Jesus. And they, they surprisingly found every single part of the statue to rebuild Jesus except for the hands of Jesus. It was just Jesus and a statue and his arms out, no hands. And somebody had an idea. And the idea was to put this plaque below the statue. And the plaque simply says this, He has no hands, but your hands. And it got me thinking, for us to understand our role in the church, we need to be reminded of the fact that, that we are the hands. I mean, he is the head but we are the hands. Uh, he is the, the head, but friends, we're the feet. He, he is the head, but we're the mouth. And so I believe that this is one of those messages, it's kind of a defining message of reality where God is wanting to speak afresh and anew in all of our hearts and all of our minds in Christ Jesus. Not me, but He but then we together, God can and wants to do immeasurably more than we could ever hope or imagine. Would you stand to your feet so I can pray for us with this final song? So Lord God, as we wrap up our time together in Ephesians 4 this week, I pray that we would more and more walk in your spirit, that we'd walk in your truth, we'd walk in your love, that we'd walk in a sense that you are with us and you're for us. God, that we would see ourselves the way you see us. And for some, that means they need to re-see themselves back in the game. They need to re-see themselves in ministry. They need to re-see themselves as empowered by the Spirit of the living God. So would you, this week, today, this season, would you remind us that we are a body, that we are better together, that we are ministers together, that we have the same Spirit that resurrected Christ from the dead, and it is the same Spirit that will lead us forward. And it's in your name that we pray these things. Amen. Thanks for listening. Know that God loves you more than you can imagine. And for everything Bethany Church, check out BethanyChurchFresno.com.